In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. That's right, friends. This is In the Lab. I'm Drew Doherty with my Borosif, John Harris. John, we've been together a lot lately. We're always together on Sundays or whenever the Texans play, but we're together for the Advocare Texas kickoff between Washington State oh, yeah. and U of H. We were rocking the big board, doing the pregame show, doing the halftime show. It's always fun. I always enjoy those with you because we, we do the bowl game at the end of the year, too, yeah. and it's just like a – it's so much more laid back because you and I don't really have a dog in the hunt. Right. We just sort of have fun watching football. So yeah. I had a good time up there with you. Well, we had some, we'll some good pictures, by the way. I don't know if you saw no, I didn't. in the thing. Make sure you get some of those. Yeah, no, I would appreciate that, man. That, that's really cool. No, I, I really – I really look forward to that. We only get those two games a year because, obviously, during the season, during preseason, we're both down on the sidelines during the season, and, and you're up and I'm down. But it, it's fun. I mean, I I love it. I get all these you know texts from people like, yeah, your rando friends. Yeah, yeah. Rando, yeah. hey man, I saw you up on a board. Your head's bigger than I thought. I'm like, well, the video <laughs> board is one of the biggest in in college and pro football. Of course, my head's going to be even bigger. Like, I get it. You don't need to tell me any, tell me that. But yeah, I, I I love doing that. I'll tell you what, though, it was not an easy week because we had <sighs> Monday yeah. Monday night late game, so we get back late Monday. Everything's jammed into Tuesday, uh-huh. and I don't normally do the players' show because you guys do that Fuddruckers, which you'll do on Tuesday night. But we had to do the coaches' show. But we had to do the coaches' so show. So you were so there for that for yeah. that, and then you got the players' show after that. Then everything got jammed into Wednesday. Thursday, I, I had another because everything just gets moved, and then Friday we had that game uh-huh. on top of I had to do two hours of all access, so I had to record that. So I could get up there on time. So and there were system difficulties. So you had to yeah. you had to cut some of these shows, and you didn't really have like all your weapons at I your know. disposal. It basically yeah. is like you get the raw audio. For, it was game audio versus like highlights. Yeah. And the highlights, but you know when I do Texans replay, I get these high. I get the highlights from uh, our flagship sports radio six ten. They cut all the highlights, and I have them in there for me. This time they didn't because there's been some, as you said, malfunction in the, in the system. And so I had to cut all the game. I had to go find every piece of audio, cut right. it on myself. So it was a tough week. But when I got to Friday and I on the, when I got the show recorded, I got the show recorded about 6 o'clock and I had about, about an hour and a half before we were going live on the video board. And I just kind of sat for a second and went, okay, finally. <laughs> and then I, then I realized, oh, wait a second. We got a college game in here. It's yeah. fun. I, I, love, I love college football. It was interesting talking to the, the guys down on the sideline. I was talking to Greg Grissom. I was talking to Jerry Angel and some of our guys. The difference in college and pro football, the speed of the game, mm-hmm. you know, watching the college game. And then when you watch a high school game, when they come in here for the playoffs and they play games in here in the playoffs. The size, too. Yeah, the size and the speed, it's just so incredibly different. And I always love hearing those young kids who are like, man, well, I'm the same size as that guy in the NFL. I'm like, yeah, nope. bro, but do you understand how fast this game moves? Yeah. It's it's incredible, but uh, congratulations to the Washington State Cougars. They came in here, got a win, and their former quarterback, Gardner Minshew, it wasn't a win for him, but, boy, he showed it off. He did a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, yeah I say we didn't have a dog in the hunt. We kind of did, though. Like We both have interacted with Mike Leach and Dana Holgerson over the years. I was out in Lubbock when both of them were out there, uh, so it was kind of fun seeing them square off and seeing them get together. And uh, I talked with Leach briefly, and he said, yeah, no offense, but I was pulling for Jacksonville because his quarterback <laughs> course, was getting his, his first start, and I was like, "Of hey, course, I understand, coach. It's no big deal. That's a real nice stadium." 
Um, anyways, before we get going, we want to remind you that post-game entertainment starts with Redbox. Redbox has the newest movies fresh from the theater starting at one seventy-five a night for just $3 a night. Try the hottest video games for PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Go to the box at your favorite retailers or stream new movies instantly on demand. That's right. That deserves an ooh. Ooh, streaming on Redbox. Ooh, yes. I like that. <laughs> Our lives have changed, man. Ooh. You think about that. When I was in college, you'd have to go to Degum Blockbuster, get a VCR was, tape, and bring it back. There was a degree of fun in that, though. So there was. not knock it. But, yeah, streaming's <laughs> until better. The fi- until the fines came because I didn't bring it back for four or five uh-huh. days. But the smell of licorice. And, anyways, <laughs> get together with family, friends, the crew, or whoever to make it a movie night. Make tonight a Redbox night. All right. I only want to talk about one main thing before we do our cream of the crop and wrap this thing up. One main thing. It was the focus of consternation all last year, mm-hmm. all off season. Understandably yep. so. Texans um, and Deshaun Watson, 62 sacks last year. Way too many. So far he's been sacked 10 times in two games. That's not good either. But I think we see a glimmer of light, a glimmer of hope based on the shakeups that we saw on the offensive line sure. last week. So Laramie Tunsil started again at left tackle. Yep. Next to him, though, the rookie, Titus Howard. The hand and, the, and, the, and everything had healed up enough sure. for him to go. Center was Nick Martin. Right guard, Zach Fulton. And out at right tackle wasn't Chantrell Henderson. It was a guy who really impressed us all in training camp. Yep. Really impressed us in the preseason work that he had when he was working at left tackle. Yep. Talking about Roderick Johnson. I really like what I saw, John, because I think yep. a few of the sacks we saw on uh, Sunday were really not your typical sacks and, and not your you know, not your sacks that you can attribute to a, a, right. a porous offensive line. Yeah, I I think uh, we talk about PFF a lot, pro football focus, mm-hmm. and I don't put a ton of stock in what they – the numbers that they come up with, because I think it's very difficult to grade players, because it's, it's you don't hard. know you don't know what, you don't know what players have been assigned to do, right? And they might be carrying out their assignment, but it looks and it really came to like fruition for me because I was watching the Seahawks and the Bengals, and the Bengals broadcast radio broadcast crew, they they put some of the radio broadcast crew highlights on a play that the Seahawks had run. It was a touchdown for the Seahawks, and they were blasting their starting safety for making what they thought was a huge mistake. But in fact, they didn't recognize the coverage. So they're blasting Jesse Bates and Bates is, you know, I mean, he's playing the coverage the way it's supposed to be, but they didn't, they didn't see it. They like missed it. They misconstrued what they were looking at. And they like, what's Bates doing? This is terrible. And so like, you know, that's, that's the hard part because you don't know what the call is. You don't know what exactly you're supposed to. So I, I think there's, there's some, level of what PFF does that I'm just I, I take with a grain of salt especially when people are like well the PFF says they had a 90 degree and I'm like look I watch with my eyes and if my eyes that grade matches with my eyes then great if my eyes don't match what the grade is and I'm like oh, I want to go back and watch again yeah. and see and go oh, no 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 okay I know what this is supposed to be etc but PFF because basically they grade in a vacuum right and you can't yeah, can't grade a vacuum very, when you got difficult. 10 others to, depending on you. And, and I credit them for, for creating an industry. I mean, they, they've done a really good job yeah. for themselves, and I think it's fantastic, but I think it's very, very difficult. But they said of the four sacks, they credited two or three of them to Deshaun. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know if I would say Deshaun, but I think what you could say is coverage. There were times when he went back to pass and the coverage was good and there was nothing he could do. And there was one, they brought the nickel blitz and DJ Hayden got a shot on Deshaun. And that play seemed to be kind of just dead on arrival because guys did get beat on the offensive line and Hayden came free. The next time that Hayden ran that blitz, though, Deshaun hit Jordan Akins for a 16-yard gain. So I felt like overall – When they needed, what, 15? Yeah. <laughs> I think he got 15 and a half when he reached yeah. the ball. That was a tremendous play by Jordan Akins. It was, it was one of the, the more unmentioned plays that, sh- that should have been, more underrated plays in the game. It was an incredible play by Jordan Akins, and it helped lead to the field goal at the end and a half. But I felt like overall, group still coming together – Pass protection takes a lot of communication and working together, Mm -hmm. a lot. Run blocking sometimes is just we know what the run play is, just come off the ball and hit somebody in the face. What I like about it is that that's what we're doing. We are coming off the ball, and we're hitting dudes in the face. We're getting hat on a hat. We're getting movement off the line of scrimmage. I did a telestrator on there was a run that Duke had in the first half, I think, and the whole right side just caved in. It was like if if you had if you have like a parallel or you have a line, and then all of a sudden that line is just pivoted on the left side, it just pivots, mm-hmm. and it pivots like four or five yards. That's essentially what they did. They just caved in that whole side. Rod knocked Darius four yards downfield. Unfortunately, Rod didn't stay on the block long enough. Darius ended up forcing Duke to move, but it wasn't until four yards downfield that Duke actually had to make a cut mm-hmm. because they had pushed guys downfield. I think Titus – I thought Titus did a pretty decent job for the most part. I know he got the tripping call, and it was it was valid. He got, a, he got a good one on Campbell, but Campbell didn't get a shot on Deshaun. Right. So sometimes you'll get away with it. The one thing I want to see Titus I think that's, do – I think that is a – you don't want to see tripping. You don't no, want to see your guys you commit penalties, but you also don't want your quarterback getting needlessly hit. And yeah. uh, you know what? It's one that in a win, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I don't know that it really would have been the contributing factor to a loss of the Texans not pull. But yeah. I'm okay with that. Right. I'm okay with not having Watson get jacked in the ribs right. or something happen to it. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm, I am too. I had, Actually, when I thought about it later on, I was like, yeah, it negated a big play, but he didn't get hit again. It's so. kind of like when you, you a receiver breaks free and a DB just – pulls on a shirt and he can't there's so that he's not going to catch the touchdown right well you know you gave away 30 yards but you didn't give away the score and you, right. you've lived to fight another day yeah and i think that's that's essentially what happened and it's a it's a learning thing for titus i think the one thing titus has got to do when you play tackle versus playing guard you know when you're out on an island and you're blocking a guy in the, in the passing game like sometimes it just like the timing in your head you know the ball's got to be gone so sometimes you just have dominated your guy and you just kind of stop at some point. You're like, all right, the ball should be gone, so I'm going to kind of watch the rest of the play. There was one play in particular where it was, a, I think it was a run play, and Titus was blocking, and then he was on the block or he missed the block or he fell off the block, and he was just kind of standing there. And whoever's running the ball broke through a tackle and literally ran into him. And it's like, look, you block till that damn whistle all the time. Yeah, You block – you hear the whistle like if you fell off a block or whatever I used to tell my guys this all the time because one of the things that 
that they would do is they would miss a block and then they would go backwards trying to find their guy. Like, they would block to the whistle. But I'm like, look, if you miss your block or you go and he's not there, like, he's slanted or moved away, like, you just keep going. Like, go to the next – just keep running to the next jersey up the field. Yeah. Those are the little things that Titus that that Titus has got to work through. And I think when he does that, he's going to be a really good player. But I like the way in the run game in particular that they all work, and I felt like the pass protection improved from week one to week two. And a lot of that has to do with communication, and I think it will continue to get better. Okay. Um, what did you think of Roderick Johnson? I thought Rod played pretty well. PFF did credit one of the sacks to Rod. And Josh Allen gave him a little bit of an issue. But I'll say this. Josh Allen is probably the closest thing that we've seen to Khalil Mack. And I know that's – that. whoa, wait a second. I've seen a lot of guys come through this league to this point from 2014 till now. I've not seen a guy with that combination of skills, length, ability to drop in coverage, rush, strength, all the assets you're looking for in a guy like Josh Allen has, like Khalil Mack. So – in NFL start number one for Rod Johnson, he limited a guy like that mm-hmm. with that skill set to one sack. Yeah. And on the whole, the run game was able to do what it did. Right. And I, that's pretty darn good, right? That's pretty good. For, I mean, for a J- debut? Yeah, and I think Josh Allen's going to get better and better. But I felt like Rod did a pretty good job. I talked to him in the locker room after the game, and right before I got to him, Brandon Dunn was like, hey, Rod, congrats on the first start of your career. And he gets <laughs> Rod was smiling from ear to ear. And I said, uh, um, I said, yeah, congratulations, man. And I said, just like I told you in training camp, you've come a long way, man. You've come a long way. You deserve to start. You did a good job. He says, smile. He goes, man, I just got to, I got to do better. I got to do better. Yeah. And I will do better. And he's been consistent about saying that because yes. we've interviewed him a few different times. Better. Yeah. And getting better. That's he's, the thing. It's one thing to say, like, oh, I got to get better. But he's heard the accolades, but he knows, like, I still have. Yeah. A ways to go, and, and I, like he's striving for greatness, which and, is what you want to see. And look, whether Rod stays at right tackle or not, I don't know. I know, and we both know, that this coaching staff really likes Max Sharping and everything he brings. Well, I, that's who I was going to bring up next. We still have not heard or seen him, right? and we will, and that's a good thing. At some point, you're going to hear from Max Sharping because right. he's – He's got a future, and it's a bright one. There's and, no question. And I'm really I'm, – I'm, I'm very excited about this. I am not down about that at all. But with Max, what it's doing for, for Rod Johnson to be playing well, for Zach Fulton to be playing well, is Max doesn't have to get thrown in the fray right away. Right. He, his development can take a little bit longer. I know people say, well, he's a second-round pick. Yeah, I know, but you – Look at Justin Reed. Justin Reed is now turned into one of our better defensive players in a short amount of time, but he didn't start till week four or week five he last year. He started 12 games last year. Right. He's got the, the fewest starts of those safeties when you include Jaleel Adai, who started all 16 games plus right. two playoff right. games. You, you include Tashawn Gibson, right. all 12 games last year. Yeah, and yet he's still the leader of that group. He's yeah, the that's, leader of that group. Yeah. He, exactly, and, and boy, what a play that he made. But I think it just allows – I think every coach would love to be able to say this – We'd like for our rookies to develop, but we don't want them to have to be thrown into fray right away when they're not quite ready. And not saying that Max is or isn't. It's just that he can develop on his own time. And yeah. I think that's that's the beauty of that. And look, if Rod Johnson turns into a, a really good right tackle and you're happy with him every single week and he just gets better and better and better and better – Great! It's like the twenty dollar bill, fantastic twenty dollar bill you find in your jacket in like Bingo. late October, early November when that cold front comes through, and you're like, "Hey, I gotta wear my jacket." Yeah. Uh, anyways, all right. 
Let's do cream of the crop. Time for cream of the crop. Cream of the crop. And that's where basically we chit-chat about our player who we thought was awesome this game, the Mm -hmm. cream of the crop. I mean, it's pretty explanatory. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go with Carlos Hyde. We brought him up earlier. 20 carries for 90 yards. He had a long John in this one. You like that long John? Yeah, long John. Of 14 yards. So that's a good run. That's technically an explosive run. But it's not like he had a few of those. He had that 14-yarder, and then he just moved chains. Five yards, six yards, four yards, five yards, six yards. I mean, he was absolutely strong in this one. Yeah. Did not get pushed back. Followed up on what he did in week one. Carlos Hyde is my cream of the crop. This is a guy you traded Martinez Rankin for. Right. That's really, really exciting. You've gotten a durable, productive running back doing good things when you really needed it after Lamar Miller goes down. Yep. And he's complimented by Duke Johnson, who's doing a solid job as well. But I love what I'm seeing from Carlos Hyde so far. He's my cream of the crop for what we saw on Sunday, John. It was really good. Really good. I think it's hard not to say that Whitney Merciless mm-hmm. is not creamy the crop. See, I put on a tee for you again. I, I know you did. I did Hopkins did. last week so you could do Watson. So yeah. There we uh, go. Yeah, thank you. I, I think there's some guys that you can you can put in a category. I'll, I'll say this before I talk a little bit about Whitney. There's so much hand-wringing after the Devian Clowney trade, and you're like, well, how are you going to get pass rush? What are you going to get pass rush for? I saw pass rush from three guys on Sunday in Jake Martin and Brent Scarlett and Charles Amenahu that I look at and go, if those guys rush like that when they get the opportunities. You know, the, the strip sack that Charles Amenahu has, J.J. Watt's not on the field. And the irony of that play where Charles stripped the ball and then Brennan blasted Minshew, the, I know you agree with me, Whitney is the one guy that gets blocked of the whole play. Like, Whitney, like, he's throwing every move. He can't uh-huh. get there. For some reason, Will Richardson blocked him the best he did all day on that one play, but everybody else got there. And and JJ was not on the field in that play, so you create a strip sack when JJ's not on the field. I mean, that's huge. But the spin move that Whitney uses is tremendous. But the spin move that he used on Will Richardson mm-hmm. was as good of one I've ever seen. It was one of those where it worked so perfectly that Minshew didn't even get to his drop point, and Whitney is on him. It was like when he spun inside. The spin created so much momentum to propel him towards Minshew. Sometimes your spin move just gets you around the guy, and then you kind of have to collect yourself and go. The spin move propelled Whitney past everybody and gave him like this extra boost to get to Gardner Minshew, and what a play it was. And, by the way, I don't know how J.J. Watt got the ball to that pile. I have no idea. I've watched that play a million times, Drew. I have no idea. Because he's a jungle cat, remember? You and I have talked about it. He's a great athlete. He's, he's got those big old hands. He can. He's fast. He's quick. He can see. He's unbelievable. How he ended up getting the ball out of that pile is absolutely just unreal to me. All right. That's our cream of the crop. Cream of the crop. And that is going to do it for this week's version of In the Lab. Uh, as always, John, fun talking with you. Yeah, and we will talk with you again next Tuesday.